interview, I was like, oh my God, you know, he understands what it is that I'm trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's sitting at my dinner table talking to me. Not say this all the time. He was just so open with his frustration. Yeah, and he's he passionate so about it. Yeah. Passionate, so open, so passionate about his frustration. I was like, I need to meet this guy. One day, you know, I'm going to meet this guy because he's taking everything out of my mouth, like everything that I'm trying to communicate. I want to communicate with Level Up and just really putting it out there in this magazine, you know, for everybody to see and hear, read, and to understand. And so one day, a guy on my team posted a picture with he and Justin. I think Justin had just won a national championship. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect, how obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast, episode 23. When you hear level up, you think of Sierra. But after you hear today's podcast, you would think about something else. Erica Davis, a Riverdale Beach, Florida native, is far more than your average entrepreneur. She's achieved numerous professional titles. She graduated from the University of Central Florida, earning a bachelor's degree in business management with a minor in entrepreneurship. She joined the workforce where she excelled as a large financial institute employee. By the time she was just 22 years old, she gained the position of business banking officer. By 24, she was promoted to vice president of business banking where she led a region of branch managers and associates focusing on the growth of commercial clientele. Later, she transitioned from formal banking and began a consulting firm and went on to gain millions of dollars to fund new ventures and expand existing businesses. She further integrated financial health and wisdom to the home by developing a financial education program for all, which was adopted by the community redevelopment agencies. Her program taught inner city residents and family how to use credit and banking to form a sustainable lifestyle. It is of no surprise, although she started cycling as a leisure activity, quickly she developed a charge to do her part for all to have access to cycling on all levels. She used her business background and integrated it with her love of cycling. The deficiency of diversity among groups and club rides, as well as organized events, caused Erica to ask hard questions, research, and conclude the sport she had loved to grow had voids in representation. With determination in tow, she launched and serves as president of Level Up Cycling Movement Incorporated, a nonprofit organization and nationwide movement dedicated to introducing the health benefits of cycling to minority communities. 
as well as to create a clear path to professional cycling at the highest level. I found out about Level Up on Instagram. I saw a post about Major Taylor, and if you don't know who Major Taylor is, you should look him up. He was before Hank Aaron. He was before Jackie Robinson. He was a cycling icon. Inspired by hardworking, talented young racers with big dreams to become professional cyclists, Erica knew the mission of Level Up was not in itself enough. And knowing these expiring pro cyclists would hit a ceiling, just as the hopeful and talented minority cyclists before them, she needed to understand the sport of cycling at the highest level, the world level. In order to best serve the mission, in 2019, she became the first Black female, maybe the first Black ever, UCI professional rider agent. This prestigious achievement allows her sports company, Shine World Sports, to sign, recruit, promote, and place riders in jobs that expand across the world. Immediately after, she facilitated the process for one of the most inspiring young cyclists to become the first woman of color to race for an international professional women's team, the World League. In partnership with the Williams Brothers of Legion of LA, she launched Miami Blazers, a national elite men's team with the goal to promote equal access to high-level American racing. Erica also launched Chocolate Petals, a women's ride experience providing a safe place to nourish, providing a safe place to nurture, appreciate, and celebrate women who seek out the tools of cycling in order to transform their lives and the lives of their families. And all that she does, Erica's mission is to create space and culture for art. And all that she does, Erica's mission is to create space and culture for minorities in the sport of cycling. Because she understands each bike ride can save a life. She hopes to encourage not only women, but also youth of color and other minority groups as they discover their passion and take their first steps onto the path of fulfillment, gaining the happiness and success that they deserve. Please welcome Erica of Level Up Cycling. Thanks again for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So I was reading your bio and you have the quite quite the impressive bio to be so young. Where did you get your determination and drive from? I am, and I believe it's on my bio, one of 16 kids. And my dad's first marriage, they had 12. And my mom, when that marriage was finished, he and my mom, they pimp out. I guess back in the day, they call it Tim Powell. They wrote letters for years. And my mom came over from the Philippines. And the day she arrived is the day they got married. And wow, okay. <laughs> and they remained married for until he passed away in 2008. So just being in a big family where my dad was a contractor, he involved me in the business at a very young age, exposing me to different functions of the business, including the labor. And I remember being in high school and he made me a charge of payroll. Okay, really? Sit down with a CPA and learn how to take out the taxes, exposing me to all these things that I really didn't know that I used. 
And it made me excited about entrepreneurship. And my degree is in business management with a minor in entrepreneurship. So I've just always been just interested in being in a position where I can grow, be creative, and just reach as far as I can. Then I have a passion for the people. So if there's any information that I find, one of the things I want to do is share it with others. And so you can kind of see that reflected in my bio, no matter what industry I'm in. If I find something that's beneficial for me, beneficial for the people around me in my community, I try to share it as much as I can. So what made you get that desire to give back to your community? Is that from your family as well? I believe so. I watched my dad and my parents like give away a lot food, you know, to the poor. You know, my dad was also ordained minister. So, you know, we spent a lot of time in, you know, people's homes, you know, praying for them and just really being like of service to others. He always instilled in us to stick together. So that's a part of me as well. Stick together, stick together. He used to say, because one day I'm going to go on a long vacation and all you have is each other. So that's part of me as well. And something that I often repeat to my team here in cycling. We got to stick together. So what made you start cycling? And how old were you when you started? I always loved the bike. My siblings will remind me sometimes we grew up by a huge bridge in Revere Beach, Florida. And I used to ride my bike up the bridge and up and down, regardless if it had brakes. I remember having a bike with no brakes. And my sister reminded me, remember that red bike you had with no brakes? You had a bike with no brakes. How did you stop? I guess your feet, huh? <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> I had to turn around the block at the end of the bridge. But I always loved the bike. I just never knew it was a such thing as a road bike and a sport and something that we can become professionals in. I just didn't know it existed. And so even when I went off to college, I kept the bike. When I had my son, I put him in a bike, you know, bike trailer. It was just part of my life. But I would like ride around the lake or the park. Never knew it was a sport. I started catching the Tour de France on TV. Mm-hmm. Once a year, I would be intrigued and I'd watch it. But of course, it still felt so far away from me. Like it didn't feel like anything that I can touch or anybody I knew was involved in. It mm-hmm. just wasn't part of my world. But I was intrigued every time I caught it. I watched it. And I was in my early 30s and I met a friend of mine. He's a friend of mine now, um, Jermaine. He had a road bike in his office. Mm-hmm. And I was curious about it. I said, what do you do with this bike? He said, I ride 30 to 40 miles before I come to work every morning. I was like, what? <laughs> I want to do that. Immediately, I was intrigued. And he took me through the motions took me by my hand. He said, just go buy a bike and ride. So, of course, I ordered a road bike from Amazon that came in. Okay. $200. It was like 50 pounds. Came in two pieces, put it together, and I started riding on Saturday mornings, and I would just push myself five miles. So you riding by yourself at the time? Riding by myself. Five miles, 10 miles here. 15 miles. And I think I set a goal of 40 miles. It was so funny. Like, if you look at, I don't think I was using Strava then. It was a different app. And like, it was like dog legs around the neighborhood, 40 miles. Wow. How long did it take you to ride 40 Forever. miles around the neighborhood? <laughs> I don't even remember. But I told myself that I needed to do 40 miles before I got serious and to go and walk into a bike shop and even look at a bike in a bike shop. 
because I began to learn how expensive it was, you know, and the prices of the bike. But once I did the 40 miles, I was like, okay, I'm ready. Let's walk into a bike shop. And he coached me through that process too. And immediately, you know, it became very clear that this wasn't something you can just jump into on your own. What kind of bike was your first bike? What brand was it? Um, I still ride it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's a Scott Contessa. She's been good to me. Okay. (laughs) I also have a fat bike, which is a specialized fat bike. You have a fat bike? Because fat bike is, we have up here for the winter. What would you need it for in Florida? sand. Sand. Okay. 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 Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the sand on the beach. I can take it to the beach. Okay. Okay. I can also take it to the trails. You know, I could, you know, it's all terrain. I mean, I like to try it in the snow, you know. I see they do races and fat bikes up there. And I'm like, it'll be pretty cool. We could do fat bike races on the beach. But yeah, it, it does really well in the sand. It makes your cadence high. Like you got to be able to spin through all of that. But the sand. Okay. Train into a whole nother level. But yeah, I have a fat bike. So those are my two bikes, road bike and a fat bike. And I've had those two for a while. Well, a friend of mine, Jermaine, he got me into cycling. And from then on, I was hooked. So when you first started cycling, when you started cycling with groups and clubs, did you find it inviting or did you feel like it wasn't? You know, when I was pedaling alone to get up to 40 miles, I would kind of test the bike lane along the major highways. And Jermaine would be like, don't do that. You know, stay in the neighborhood or go find a bike group. Uh, It's very dangerous. Once I got my first real road bike, the Scott, I went to go look for different groups to ride with. Now, he lives about 30 minutes south of me. So, you know, riding with him often wasn't an option. So I did go. I started to do the Google or look at, uh, what is it, Meetup, Facebook, Mm -hmm. different places just looking for, like, no-drop rides. And I would just pop up. And, of course, it's always unwelcoming. Always? Always unwelcoming. And I actually wrote about this in Bicycle Magazine um, this past summer. Never any, you know, people of color. And I remember finding one group where I saw like, oh, okay, there's a woman who is the lead of the group. So maybe this is more friendly. Not at all. Was it they were just not, they were just into what they were doing? Did they drop you? Like, you know, I would only go to no drop rides when I okay. learned, okay, the terminology. What it meant, yeah. You don't need okay. to go inside the road, right? And the reason for me joining is because Jermaine urging me to join a group to mm-hmm. stay safe on Cycle. the road, mm-hmm. right? And I would still end up on the road by myself. Like, just even pulling up and kind of just, you know, it's just never engaging, which is the reason if anybody ever joined any of my rides, I make it my personal business and the team as well to greet everybody, you know, mm-hmm. acknowledge yeah, you should for safety and just to be nice. Right. Yes. And to be aware that they're here and let them know that you are aware that they are here. And, you know, just friendly and welcoming. I never got that experience. But I didn't understand, you know, that this was like the culture, right? I didn't understand. I just knew like, all right, well, I ended up on the side of the road by myself. This is so they, Did right. they drop you on a no drop ride? Absolutely. And if that's what people who may not know, understand the terminology, a no drop ride means they won't leave you. People cycle at different paces and sometimes they may go ahead, but they won't leave you. They have what's called a sweeper or they'll have a meet point. 
so you won't be out there by yourself. Drop rides are kind of on your own. Right, and that's advertised, so you know that you have, you know, the potential to get dropped. When you advertise on a site like Meetup or Facebook that you have a ride at a certain pace and you don't drop or leave anybody, that's kind of what you show up and expect. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't what I was getting. And, you know, because of that, you know, that fueled me to become as strong as I can. So no matter what ride I keep up, (laughs) no matter what ride I show up on, good luck trying to leave me. And that was kind of a motivator for me the next two, three years being on the bike, you know. So they didn't have any major Taylor clubs down in South Florida in your area? No, not one. I didn't even know Major Taylor existed. I did see, no, they didn't even have a Black Girls Do Bike down here. They had a Black Girls Run who I, mm-hmm. I joined before getting on the bike. But no Black Girls Do Bike, no other Black bike groups. Jermaine did tell me, he said, look, Erica, I'm the only one here on bikes. And I refuse to believe that, you know. Mm-hmm. So you look for people and you can't find them. I'm like, absolutely not. I refuse to believe you're the only one. So I was looking and looking and looking. I kept looking. And eventually I ended up at a bike shop. That's a Jamaican-owned bike shop. And it was a few, you know, Caribbeans riding from there. So I did a, I believe my first ride there was a Thursday night ride. I ended up by myself on that ride too. (laughs) It was all guys? They circled back. Okay. Yeah, guys. I just didn't know where I was. I got left at a light, but it's a fast ride. It wasn't a no drop ride. So, mm-hmm. but the, they loop back and then come back. I just pulled to the side of the road and it's like, okay, well, they got to come back. And so mm-hmm. you know, I don't know where they went. It was a few people I met that night, which are still the same guys as part of my board and part of everything I do at Level Up. I met a few that night and they just kind of took me up under their wings. That became my cycling home that small group of guys from different Caribbean nations. Like we kind of all mixed up Guyana, Antigua, Dominique, Trinidad, you know, just from all different places. Mm-hmm. And so I became like the only female riding in this small group of men where I was able to be nurtured into the sport. So they kind of taught you the ropes. Absolutely. Yeah, they taught me the ropes. Did they make fun of you? I mean, in a joking way. Because whenever I with guys, I mean, they make fun, but it's all in fun. It's not yeah. like they feel like, especially when I first started. And it was like, when I first ride, I came, I showed up with this backpack. And then I had, I mean, they were like, where are you going? And then they were like, do you feel comfortable in the pace line? I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> right. I just saw it. I'm like, okay, right. this is my schedule. I'm just going to show up. Right. <laughs> Jermaine, who lives south of all of us, the guys who I met, he began to drive up to ride with us. And I was like, yo, Jermaine, I found some other black folks on bicycles. You know, he was like, I was like, you got to come up here and see. So he would drive up here to Broward. He lived in like close to downtown Miami and would drive up and we all just kind of meshed. So we would, you know, go around the Tri-County area and do different rides together. And I know a big reason I was able to kind of progress on the bike it's because with them, I always knew I was safe. You know, I knew that they wouldn't leave me no matter what ride I was on. And so I could just focus on getting better, you know, on the bike. I didn't have to focus on being left in the middle of the street by myself. And that's the same experience that I wanted other women to have. And so that's why I created Chocolate Petals and also created Level Up. And it's like a lot of women now in South Florida that can really, 
you know, put some work down on their bikes because we were able to create the same, you know, experience for them. And so I'm really proud of that. When did you start both of those clubs? Uh, Level Up was started in November of 2018. Um, and Chocolate Petals first launched in October of 2020. Tell me about the process of starting both of those. Level Up and Chocolate Petals, are they separate? Or are they really both under Level Up? No. Chocolate Petals is supported by Level Up. They okay. have to support each other. Starting Level Up was pretty much understanding as I began to attend bike races and I began to attend charity events and kind of just learning the lay of the land when it comes to the sport here locally, nationally, and internationally. It became very apparent that we didn't have a place in the sport. And so we had, I began to meet young aspiring racers from different countries as well as here who were really good and talented, but they were not getting the opportunities that the others were getting. You know, they will win these races on subpar equipment and still not have a team to go to or have no support. I gathered, I sat down, I actually went to interview a few people around the area who I understood maybe had a long resume or like some experience in this space to kind of understand where was the sport? How did it get here? Where do we need to go moving forward? I got some encouraging feedback. One guy told me, don't even bother. You know, nobody's going to support it. Like nobody stick together. Everybody just want handouts. Of course it was discouraging. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know, note to self, I just won't talk to him no more. Well, this is still in its embryonic stages. You know, you got to be careful. Starting something is like having a baby. Mm-hmm. Right? So anybody saying something negative can like, you know, make you feel some kind of way, you know. That's you true. Know it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I appreciate his feedback. That was his experience mm-hmm. when he tried to start something 10, 15 years ago. And I appreciate that. And I'm going to keep that in mind. So I'm going to build around that, you mm-hmm. know, around that experience. And I just make sure I don't have like a lot of conversation with him. Thank you for depositing that knowledge. But I don't need the negativity. I understood the work was great. And I sat down with a few of the same guys who took me up under their wings. We had built a bond for putting so many mouths together. You know, we had understood the same things that was missing for us in our youth. Like we didn't have a place we can ride where we can be ourselves. You know, every time we did a ride, it was someone else's ride. So either we like, you know, around a culture where they all speak in Spanish, you know, and afterwards, you know, it's everything else is not really us or we had an event that's like super white, you know, it's just never something that, it's nothing that we have mm-hmm. that's for us. And then when it came to the youngsters who wanted to race, you know, it was like over and over watching them not get the opportunities to advance. And I began to ask them, how do you become pro? They couldn't answer me. And I'm like, this is bananas. Like here, mm-hmm. football, basketball is very clear. You grade in high school, grade in college, and hopefully you get mm-hmm. drafted to be pro. Yeah. They couldn't answer that. Like nobody. They didn't know how to get to the next level. Nobody (laughs) knows. Nobody knew. Like that information just wasn't accessible to us as a whole. I couldn't pinpoint any other black pros that they could look up to. You know, they just want to become pros in Europe, but they don't know how to get there. There's no path. No pipeline. No, No pipeline. When I sat down and I had the vision for Level Up, 
that's why it's not called a club because we didn't want to just put on great bike rides, right? Mm -hmm. The work was so great, you know, in every area from creating a community, creating opportunities, banding together to make a splash and, you know, to make sure that the industry know we're here, we have talent, we spend our money, we ride bikes, we enjoy bikes. So we called it a movement, level up cycle movement. And I always had the vision that we will position ourselves to be able to coach others based on what we had access to, based on what we've been able to accomplish. And so from that place, you know, we launched a training ride for beginners. I became the first Black professional cycling agent in the world. You know, I had to fly over to Switzerland to gain this oh. Nation. Okay. Yeah. In October of 2019, with the support of, you know, the community around me. And so with that, I signed the first black woman pro. Also What's her name? Tanel Campbell. Okay. Also in 2019. And so just from having that exposure and understanding how it works at the world tour level over in Switzerland and Europe was just, you know, and learning the regulations and everything to even become an agent. You know, it was just something that I can use to guide the young ones, you know, to the next level. So how was that process to become an agent? How lengthy was it? What did you have to do? Well, you have to apply to become an agent and they do a background check. You mm-hmm. get this huge books and you have to study. And it's mm-hmm. a, a four or five hour test. You go, okay. they do once a year and it's very difficult. A lot of studying, you know, I know for me, you know, I said, I'm never going back to school. I didn't know, you know, the commitment was like taking another few college courses. Oh, really? Was it expensive? Yes, expensive. It's definitely a process that is almost like you have to dig to find it out. You know, it's like not readily, you know, available, like cycling, just something different, you know, like you can't go and look up like in the NBA and NFL, you can go look up player salaries and, you know, income that, that's generated. You can't do that in cycling. Like they just have this like this tight knit, you know, I don't know if just not regulated in a certain kind of way like we are in the States, but it's like this tight fist where this organization control everything, you know, on the professional level. And so like the information is just not, you know, readily available. So that was probably the hardest thing to do, you know, is to find all of that, but also like have the gall to go over there, mm-hmm. you know, this unknown space. I was the only female American. And the only black female, black person, period. In that place. Right. So that let you know that I was the minority of the minority of the minority. And I was ready. You know, I knew that I had my support system at home. I knew, you know, shooting in the dark in a different industry this time to have my support system tight to make sure they understood I needed their support and that, you know, if I get kicked and bruised to patch me up and send me back out there. And that's what they do. So I went, you know, I took the test, I passed and got the designation. Is that Did you start your company, Shine World Sports, yes. shortly after? I did. What was that process in starting your company? Or was it just kind of like another, you still have your consulting firm as well as Level Up? Yes, I do. Okay. You mean in banking? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. I hope to transition all the way into cycling. And that process has kind of been, you know, working itself out. You know, as I work more and more in cycling, it's like taking over everything else. I equally love finance as well as cycling. 
but I do feel like my personal mission is attached to cycling. Like I feel like my purpose, well, I know my purpose is attached to cycling. So it's just a few different ways that I know that. And I try to explain to people that sometimes things just line up for me that divine intervention. There we go. That I can't explain. Right. And that's what let me know. Okay, girl, keep going. You know, this is what you're supposed to be doing. I absolutely see myself transitioning all the way over, not only because I want to, but out of necessity for the work that's needed and it also being attached to my purpose. So Shine World Sports is just your, like, your agents and you have your professional athletes that work with you? Right. Do you have a lot of athletes presently? No, I don't. I kind of toil with that because I want to make sure I'm available and represent minority athletes. Mm -hmm. So a lot of athletes from around the world reach out to me, again, because I'm the only agent in the States. So you're the only agent, any agent in the United States for professional world cycling. Yeah, it was three of us, but two of the guys who were licensed before me did not renew their license. At the end of, I believe it was 2019 or 2020. Okay. It just left me. So how long do you have to, before you renew again with the... I believe it's four years. Four, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's just me. So I do get, you know, I am engaged and I get resumes. And like, honestly, the sport here isn't on the same level as in Europe. Like we have pro teams here, but it's like a handful. So it's really no opportunities. For folks to come over to race at a world level, it would be me sending people over to Europe. You know, kind of cut two ways. Like I try to remain available for the young ones here who we kind of have to build to that level. Mm -hmm. Because like cycling in Europe is like pro football here. It's a household sport. Over here is not, you know. No. Educating people about it. Um, in order to build a fan base, you know, we're still looking for areas where our young people can become developed to get developed in the space to even be qualified to go to a world level. You know, honestly, I'm a little picky. You should be. I'm picky because my purpose was to find the information and find the pipeline and be able to go before our young people to make sure they have that opportunity. So I try not to get bogged down in that work and stay bogged down in the work of building. I got you. What is the pipeline? I call it a community to pro pipeline, you know, mm-hmm. playing on the school to prison pipeline, you know, mm-hmm. that they kind of put on us. It's because, again, there was no path. There was no clear path to, you know, riding a bike as a kid and loving it and being successful as a kid or a teen or a young adult to a pro level. And so I called it a pipeline from the community, right? From school, you could be identified. and move to the next kind of nurtured to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. So once you identify, you know, you can race for level up and, you know, and learn from us and from the pros we have here available. Um, okay. The ones that have not broke into the pro, you know, they still are very skilled and still have a lot of knowledge. And so we take them through the motions where they get to learn how to race, be conditioned if they really want to. And we try to support them in any way we can, because again, as you know, it's a very expensive sport. Not only that, we take them above, I call it an incubator. It's like a little, mm-hmm. and we not okay. only think about the sport, you know, you naturally become a mentor. You know, you naturally begin to talk about life 
because you spend time with them. And what's so cool about cycling is sometimes we can train with them, you know, like they train mm-hmm. on their own or together. But, you know, on our Saturday or Sunday rides, they're with us and they're pedaling with us or pushing us, right? Okay. <laughs> so, or pushing us. So we really get to bond with them and, you know, talk about life and teach about how to move in a professional world, you know, how to be bigger than the bike. We have to do more than race nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. You have your social media up to date. We have to be able to speak to people. You have to be able to exude confidence. You know, all of this, we call it an incubator and we just take them up under our wings. And as a community, not just me, but it's a lot of other men in, involved here that become father figures and mentors as well for everything from bike to life. So from there, we create the pipeline. And again, I'm an agent, so I know what's required. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I have access to teams and team managers. So if there's potential there, you know, it's conversations that being had or make sure you watch this person, you know, and I get to let them know, like, look, make sure you're up to date. If you have a certain update, your social media with your race wins, you know, like okay. nobody knows what's going on unless you do this. So it's taking them from the place of beginner cyclist or aspiring racer and giving them access to other pro racers and hopefully a contract as a pro racer. So that's the community to provide that. So they go from the community, you recognize they have talent and then they join a team and then they may join a professional team and then they join a world team. Is that how it works? Yes, that's how it works. And do you have to win, like rank a certain number, like first, second, third, to progress to the next level? Is that how it works? So it's a few different ways it works. A few of the guys that come over from their country, like the Caribbean nation, they actually have to be like the best in their nation, even in the United States. So when they come over here, they have talent. They just don't have community. They don't have help. They're just over here trying to figure it out on their own. And that's kind of where we come in and take them up on our wings and let them know that we're going to do whatever we can to, to, you know, get them to the next level. And so either end up, all of them race for level up, right? Level Up is almost like their way of giving back. So we have all these guys from different nations and from Mm -hmm. the states. We take them to a race like we did this past weekend. They race together and that does a few things. It allow us to make everyone else know that we're here, right? That here we go. Here's a group of minorities. No matter where we're from, we're racing together. We're here together. We're supporting each other. So it makes our presence known. One, two it gives them the confidence to race with each other. You know, because okay. sometimes before level up, what I would see is, you know, this young guy from here, this young guy from there. Yeah. We know each other, but y'all racing against each other. And even though we're individuals on the bike, it's always best if you race as a team. Yes, because there's a whole bunch of different strategies. A whole bunch of different, different <laughs> strategies. So we create that environment mm-hmm. as well where they can trust each other and get to know each other. Because even though, you know, later on in the season, you're on this team and this team and that team. And, you know, you're in a race together. You still know each other. And we want to know it, make sure at least one of y'all win. So we're creating that community environment. And so not surprisingly, other communities do it here, too. Even though they're wearing different kits, they're still racing for each other. Mm-hmm. I know that because I ride with them, too, you know, even before Level Up. So I know all of them just like they know me. We just didn't have a place where our guys can come. To, our guys can come together and practice the same thing. So that's something else we create for the races. 
Can you tell my listeners, well, I guess what the different types of racing as far as criterium, road racing, and other types of racing, and you're involved in all of them, or what are you involved in? It depends on the discipline of each racer. So for road bikes, you have the criterium racing, which is like a mile circuit, usually a square, where they race, the pros race either from 90 to 120 minutes. And that's really the most fun race to watch as a spectator because you get to see them zoom by really fast. Those are really the faster races. And then you have a road race, which can range from 50 to 100 miles. Our guys this past weekend did 104 miles road race. In the okay. <laughs> so it, was, it was tough. But a road race is exactly what it is. It's almost like on a, not an open highway, but an open road where you have long stretches of road. And for example, this past weekend, road race was a 13-mile circuit. So they did 13 miles eight times. Okay. Looped it eight times in open country roads. And so you can just pedaling. And that's a different kind of discipline. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, straight endurance. And then Mm -hmm. you have a time trial, which Mm -hmm. you have the time trial bike. And you're racing against time, whoever had the fastest time. I'm not sure if you want to go on to track racing because a lot of these guys racing. Yes, this is splendid. Track race, fun to watch. Yeah, it they is. They don't have brakes. Yes, they don't have brakes. The thought no of it scares me. Is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You do it in a velodrome. In the velodrome. Yeah. We have here, really close by my house, the only velodrome in Florida. So we get to play on the velodrome. That's one thing we've done through Level Up is expose minorities to the velodrome. Because I've never seen it other than YouTube videos. It has one in... Indianapolis, Major Taylor, when I actually was random, I was driving home and I looked and I was like, Major Taylor. And I took a picture. <laughs> Did I hit anybody? I saw it from the side of the road driving from Indianapolis. <laughs> so you didn't get to see the Villadrome? I didn't see it. I saw it from the highway. But <laughs> you come down, you, come down, you gotta come, come over. You can even like on Monday nights, they do lessons for beginners and they'll even give you a track bike and teach you how to, how to ride. Yes. Yeah, how to ride a fixed gear bike. So it looks intimidating. It does. The thought of it is intimidating to me. It is (laughs) intimidating. We actually took a group of guys out there about a month ago for the first time to expose them to a group of new riders. They're new road riders and they've never seen the Villadrome or rode the Villadrome. And we took them out there for lessons. So a lot of guys, not all of them, guys and gals, who race on the road, they cross over to the track as well. For what I understand, track is what give you your speed on mm-hmm. the road. So they kind of like cross train. They can do the sprints at the end. And- yeah. yeah, they cross train between the two. And they also race. Some of them are really good at racing on the track and racing on the road. But, you know, the ones that race really well on the track also race really well on the road. Because again, that's where they say they get the speed, you know. So I just go with that. They tell me that's where the speed come from. Okay, then let's go to the Villadrome since we have it here. But yes. And on the track, there's so many different races they do. Sprint races, endurance races. You can spend the whole day. It's almost like a track and field event. Like you spend Mm -hmm. the whole day watching the different type races that's going on. The different events that's going on on the track. Sounds exciting. It is. Track racing hasn't started here yet. But if you ever come down, we'll see some of the watching. Here's the it's an outdoor villadrome. In some places they're indoor, oh, but here's outdoor. I thought all of them were indoors. They have outdoor. It's outdoor. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
Season two, I will start a new series called Ask the Doc. If you have questions related to musculoskeletal injuries or musculoskeletal health, please send me a voicemail. Go to my website at www.weouilife.com. Click on the tab voicemail, leave your voicemail, and select messages will be aired and answered on the segment. Now back to the episode. So how did you form your partnership with the Williams brothers, Justin, Corey, with the LA? It was like a really small world. I had a different sponsor at the time which is a car dealership and a guy who was on the cycling team also worked car dealership. He posted a picture in the chat. I was already a fan of Justin's and I think he had just did a bicycle magazine where he was on the cover. Actually, I follow Corey on YouTube. So I will watch his videos, but I didn't know Justin existed. It's funny because I tell him that all the time. I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know Justin existed. I just liked the cool videos that Corey was posting. I guess from his races and he was racing for a, a different team, Team Elevate and Justin was racing solo on no team, but I would watch all of Corey's um, videos, but a guy on my team then posted a picture with he and Justin and I was like, oh, that's okay and I looked him up and I was like, okay, this guy's brother and I kind of put two and two together, you know, saw okay. him, read about him and just reading in this magazine, his interview, I was like, oh, my God, you know, he understands what it is that I'm trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's sitting at my dinner table talking to me. Not say this all the time. He was just so open with his frustration. Yeah, and he's he passionate so about it. Yeah. So open, so passionate about his frustration. I was like, I need to meet this guy. One day, you know, I'm going to meet this guy because he's taking everything out of my mouth, like everything that I'm trying to communicate. I want to communicate with Level Up and just really putting it out there in this magazine, you know, for everybody to see and hear, read and to understand. And so one day a guy on my team posted a picture with he and Justin. I think Justin had just won a national championship. And I was like, "Uh, how do you know him? He was like, um... I'm friends with his dad. So I guess he okay. didn't like his... Yeah, his dad his, uh, was an amateur racer. Yeah. He attended, I guess, like Justin had like a mm-hmm. party for winning the national championship. And I was like, do you mind asking him if he'll come ride with us sometime in Miami? He was like, sure, I asked him. You know, so he asked him and he was like, yeah, he's interested in coming down. I said, can you give me his number, please? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, ask him if he's okay. If it's okay if I get his number. He was like, yeah, he said it's fine. So he gave me his number and I just started, you know, sending him messages on WhatsApp and we just started talking. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, look, it's a community of us here. You know, we have a lot of respect for you. We're fans. You should come down and kind of just meet us so we can support you. And, you know, you can learn who we are. Because I understood then there's no community at large at that point for him. I know he came up in the major tailors in LA, but still like, because of his frustration, if there were more support backing him from his community, like the corporations would have to listen to him, right? Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. he has more influence. So he agreed and he came down. We chit-chatted for a few months. We flew him down. 
at our very first, I called it Rep Your Set. It was Level Up's very first event. It was a weekend event. He came down. We self-financed at the same time, launching Level Up and bringing Justin down and inviting all the clubs out to this event to meet him, you mm-hmm. know, to give them access to him, whatever knowledge he had so he could share with everybody. And that's why I named it Rep Your Set because I wanted the other clubs to come, bring their tent, bring your riders, bring like this isn't, we're not trying to take your riders. We're not mm-hmm. trying to take anything from you. Mm-hmm. We're trying to bring the community together. I'll meet this guy, you know, let's support him. Let's support each other. Just mm-hmm. trying to bring like a new community, vibe, a new community, yeah. you know, together. Like we put our personal money together, you know, to make this happen. And he came down and we had him for a weekend. And ever since then, like when he and I met, I remember being nervous. I asked one of the guys, you're like, what am I supposed to talk to a racer about? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's Justin yeah. Williams. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> talk to him about what do you think he was like bicycles i was like oh okay i can do that <laughs> I was like, okay i can do that and so i picked him up from the airport and we were like best friends since then it was like woo, 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 you know just talking bicycles you know and ever since then it was like you know like a brother sister relationship it was like i said some of those things you can't explain how and why it happened Mm-hmm. It just, like you said, it was like divine intervention. We have the same mission. We have similar missions. We have similar. Our birthdays are a few days away. You know, when so is your birthday? I'm May 19th, and I believe he's like the 23rd or 26th. Okay. So okay. we usually, like last year, we did a birthdays wolf ride together. Okay. Yeah, and invited people. So that was pretty cool. So we have like a lot of, of certain parts of our personality and our passion is very similar. So we just connected from there. That's awesome. Yeah. So what support or what the partnership, what does it entail other than he comes down? Does he help sponsor or how does the partnership work with with the? No, like I, from the beginning, offer like a lot of, I guess, like mentorship on the business side of things Mm -hmm. and kind of help him organize what you know, his business should look like, you know, just a lot of my background from structuring businesses Mm -hmm. from banking. So it's been like give and take, like I would mentor him on that. And then he would mentor me on the racing piece or level up and just exposing me to different things. that. So you can get your goals and your, because he's basically done it. So you want to kind of replicate it so others can do it. Absolutely. So it's like, I'm the community arm of him, right? Like he's so busy racing and like focus on that part of, you know, racing is really a niche part of the sport. But then you got the regular riders like myself, who just love the bike is 30 times more of us. Than than our yes. Oh, yes. Yes. A hundred times. And so I get to be that connection to make sure he always stay connected to the community while he's busy being the best he can racing. Okay. And in turn, I get to pass the knowledge along to the young racers here and give them access to him. You they know, got a role model in Justin Williams. Right. Yes. Not only just they can admire him, you know, from a distance, they can have access to him. Mm-hmm. and ask him. He talked to them about nutrition and all the things, racing, you know, and give them insight and just thoughts on what team they should join or which team is good for them. Just that access and that guidance that we just didn't have before. So that's really what the driving factor is. And if different projects come up, like Total with the Pros or 
a certain race that come up, you know, I'll ask him to join me for it or, you know, I would just connect, you know, like that. So tell me more about Chocolate Petals, why you started it and what programs, what all does it entail? Chocolate Petals was started because I was told, you know, we, we since COVID, we've trained, we've done about over 400 lessons for beginning cyclists. And it was made aware to me that there's a lot of women who want to pedal with me, but they're intimidated by me. And I'm like, what? Why? Like, you know, I'm the one that's putting on all these trainings and I'm excited to see them. Like I'm always showing up. You know, I'm always there, but you just never really know how people. Yeah, especially if you can hang with the guys. I don't know why. It's like, that intimidates people. I don't know why. Just punch you right fast. I guess just even some of the feedback I got was, you know, new cyclists show up and y'all got this gear on, you know, y'all got these fancy bikes, you know, they just look like you're all pros and just to a whole nother level, even though we dialed it back, right? And I would tell the team, purposely wear your full kit, purposely bring your road bike because we want to show them what a cyclist looks like. We yeah. want to expose them to that. We don't mm-hmm. want to doubt. We doubt, you know, the speed bag, the pace bag. Of course, to make sure we can start from their level. Yeah. Teach them, oh, they wouldn't come oh, back if they oh. got dropped. Or, right. But yeah. as far as the uniform and what we wore, I was like, make sure you clip in like just like you would any 30, 40, 50 mile ride so they can have that visual and they can understand like what a, the helmet, everything, don't cut nothing short. Mm-hmm. Show up, you know, the way you would ride your bike every time. So I did too. So I understood part of that was also intimidating. But one thing they did have that other groups didn't have was me. You know, I was a female, a black female. So they can see themselves in me, but they were intimidated to ride with me like alone, you know, or like ask me to come along with them you know, on a ride. And when I learned that, I was like, oh my God, I got to do something with just the women so they can understand that. And then also some of them were intimidated to ride with the guys, right? So that was part of it too. Like, I know she's here, but she can keep up, Mm -hmm, right? And these guys are here. And so when I began to kind of put fillers out there and have conversations about a women's own ride, it was like, yeah, we'll love to do it. But can you help us like get to that point to do 30 miles or to do a, a pace line. And so we began training, like really focusing on the women. And so I said, okay, well, we're going to do a women's specific event, something that's just for us. No men riding. We're going to have massages afterwards, flowers, like it's going to be all tailored towards everything that we like as a woman. And that has such a huge response. You know, I put myself out there as the host. And it slowed the pace down. You know, it was a 30 mile, but it was still, I understood it was a lot of women was training to get up to that point, to do the mm-hmm. 50K. And also to just come out and learn a double pace line, you know, even though we were doing it in training, some women either far away, you know, two hours away, saw the information on social and came mm-hmm. down. But because we were training new cyclists, for all this time, we can kind of either eyeball them or, you know, take care of them on a road, you know, make sure they complete the ride. So I wasn't too pressed about that, but I was pressed about having too many women where we can't keep all of them safe. Mm -hmm. So I put the flyer out there, created chocolate petals just came to me like, okay. I was like, should I, should I put chocolate petals? Should I? 
you know, I was like, I want to communicate this, that this is for us sisters, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't want to, you know, chocolate pedal should kind of let you know what we're getting at without me having to put imagery, you know, Mm -hmm. black women on bikes, right? So I just came up with the name, (laughs) you know, chocolate pedals. They kind of put it out there like this is for us. It's for all women, but it's particularly for my sisters. I see y'all out here training, trying to get better. And I just want to create space, not only space, but culture in the sport, which I know is missing because I've been here for a long time. But we can feel and become nurtured by each other, cheer for each other and push each other and feel safe. And the first time I did it was in October. I had to cut it off at 50 women. I honestly thought that I would probably have 20 most. Mm-hmm. But when the reservate RSVPs kept coming in, it's like, oh my God, you know, I need to get more SAG. Like, oh my God, I need to get more support. And I was like, I got to cut it off at 50 because I just don't know if I can keep this many women safe, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in a phase line and make sure, you know, mm-hmm. we all stay together. So I cut it off at 50. And we had like three SAGs. I made sure at the last, first I was like, man, you're not invited. Like, don't even come. But then when I do the SAG, then did you let them when I got up to 50, I wanted to do everything honestly in my mind, you know, and they were like, Erica, no, you're going to need our support in some way. And I was like, no, we got it. I said, we'd be in the street anyway without y'all. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) No, we got it. And then when it realized it was 50 women and I had to cut the RSVP off, I was like, okay, guys, I need about five or six of y'all to trail us, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to trail us. So we had three SAGs. We had support of the local bike shop. Well, yeah, it was also a SAG. And we had some men from the team. I think it was like six or seven of them. And the women, they awesome, like kept that double pace line tight. We slowed it down a bit. We had a headwind. You know, here we have a lot of wind. We had a headwind headwind on one long stretch. So what I would do is, stay to the front and like slow it down but I would also go back and also the young lady who was in the front with me who had grown pretty strong for her to go back and I placed women who were also experienced from the team like I placed in the different parts mm-hmm. so they can help yeah and then make sure they keep a lookout some in the back some in the middle some on the front and man that ride like I was on a high from that ride for a whole week it was like the perfect ride and even the men was like why we can't do this <laughs> have such a perfect like those women like stayed there they did everything they I was like yeah because there's no egos involved you know mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys get yeah I didn't want to brace yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and we taught them something too you know like the men they were like how the heck y'all pull this off and we can I was like because women I learned are just more students of the sport like we want to learn how to do this like that how to do this the right way how do I get better here mm-hmm. and we implement it right versus the men they kind of just want to beat whoever hurt their ego or they want faster wheels and they yes. want this guy the flashiness right mm-hmm. right and they're not really studying the sport and studying you know everything that they need to do versus women the women are doing it and we see the results firsthand so after i did the first chocolate petals every woman who completed a ride got flowers and oh, they- nice. yeah we had a guy there giving away free stretches. We had giveaways. And Pearly Zumi gave us like 30 gloves to give away, pink gloves, you know, just like all women thing. Okay. And it was such a huge success. Like I was just high off that. 
event. When will you have it again? I had it in January, January, January this year. Okay. and then okay. I'm going to have it again in May. And it's looking like May 23rd. Okay. Which May is 23rd. Okay. It's looking like May 23rd. You know, okay. if it change, it will be probably early May before Mother's Day. And I'm okay. hoping for May 23rd. And you have another big event in December. Tell yeah. my listeners about that. It's called Pedal with the Pros, and it's actually Level Up Stable event. And this is an event where we bring the pros down, like Justin, Rasan, and a few others. It's, we bring together the aspiring pros, and we bring them into the community where you can really rub shoulders with them. The kids can see them in their racing machines. You know, their bikes look so different from ours. You see them in the races, but when you see them up close, it's just like, what is that? Like, this looks like a spaceship, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just really bringing the pros to the community where the kids and even adults can have access to them, ask them whatever they want to. You know, they're in the crowd mixing it up. The kids can aspire to it. You know, you can see their medals. You can see how they're dressed and ask them whatever and talk to them. And so uh, this past December was because of COVID was kind of structured like four events in one. We did a bike giveaway because it was so close to Christmas. We did a 50 miler, which was the fast ride with the pros. Mm -hmm. Then we had the 30 miler. It was like a 35, like a 50K, a 35 miler. And then we had the community ride, which is for all bikes, even okay. kids. My daughter is 10 and she did that ride. And that ride, everybody came together from beginner riders to fat bike riders to kids. And we all pedaled really slow, four mile loop around Liberty City. And the event was actually held in Liberty City this past December. And that's because our mission is to expose health benefits of cycling to minority communities. And the community was so welcoming of us. The feedback that I got, like the ride that went, that stayed inside Liberty City was like a huge bike parade of like 200 cyclists. And we had a radio truck with loudspeakers in front of us. And we had another radio truck with the support of 103.5 The Beat. Both those trucks came from the radio station. So we had another radio truck behind us. And it was like this huge parade of Blacks on bikes going through Liberty City, which is like the toughest area in Florida. Mm-hmm. It's exposing, making riding a bike cool again. Because generally in our communities, we see riding bikes as poor man's transportation mm-hmm. versus other communities see it as recreation or a means to yeah. better health. And oh, yeah. so it was so emotional. Some of the riders from the area like came to me. It was like, Erica, you know, don't tell nobody this. But I teared up a bit. <laughs> you see like the residents, they're waving and like welcoming of us. And you just know in this pack of riders that you're making a difference in this area. So it was super emotional. Cheers, gonna be 20 and 21. Do you have a date? Yes, it's the same weekend. It's December 10th. I believe December 10th is that Friday. It's December 10th, 11th, 12th. The goal is to extend it this year if we can. So December 10th is that Friday. So 10th, 11th, 12th. Hopefully extend it from a Thursday to a Sunday and include more workshops for anybody who wants to attend either race workshops with 
Russell and Bahati or, you know, nutrition, how to eat well as a cyclist or just eat healthy overall. So kind of all in stuff, tips. Yeah, providing just a place where we can come together and learn from each other. Awesome. What are your personal cycling goals? You give so much to the community and everyone else. What are your personal cycling goals? I got rid of personal cycling goals and I started level up because so much of my energy going to organizing by the time it comes to enjoy the bike with the group, I'm like exhausted, especially when it comes to the events. I'm exhausted. So like pedal with the pros, I have a personal sag. Like there's sag and then there's Erica sag. Like nobody, <laughs> because I just never know if I'm going to have the energy to complete the ride. But this year I was, you know, I was so happy. Previous years, I'm up to 3 a.m. making sure everything is, you know, taken care of. Taken care of. But this year we had just so much more support, so much more people stepping up and understanding that we're trying to build something. And so I was able to actually get some sleep, you know, and complete the whole ride. But my personal goal is really just be able to keep up and be able to execute what I need to execute on the bike as far as training, you know, training others and be able to exercise at least three times a week. You know, I love the bike and I'll get in this thing. Like once I get in a routine, like I want to ride every day, you know, (laughs) and then it starts taking away from me. Like I can't keep my eyes open by the time three o'clock comes because I don't burn myself out Uh, about riding the bike. But that's really my goals at this point. I understood early on that my place in the cycling world wasn't best utilized, like as a racer or, you know, somebody with a presence on the bike. I understood Mm -hmm. that my place and that my purpose was to bring people together and to help break ceilings and open doors. Have you done any racing, like just good amateur racing? Yeah, I did. Like my second or third year on the bike when I was like Mm -hmm. super excited and, Mm -hmm. you know, I began to understand that there was so much missing in the sport and it seemed like it was on purpose or just like overlooked. And especially when I was just riding with the guys and we was just doing fast rides. Like I said, because I was dropped, you know, I I made sure that nobody can drop me ever again. I don't care who ride it is and how fast it was. You know, I was that person that you know. Okay. Okay. Even if you wanted to. We have a lot of stories about that we laugh about. But uh, being a woman, especially a black right. woman, that show up on a ride, you know, people are automatically assume that either you, that you can't ride, you can't ride yeah. bike. <laughs> and they have so many laughs. We have so many laughs about those assumptions, you know, other groups. And, you know, I'm not a trash talker at all. You know, I, I just take care of business. Yeah, right. I just <laughs> ride my bike and not get left. Yeah. <laughs> well, they laugh about it because they can see the stairs that I get. You know, like if it's an A group and the top five or ten, we watching the guys like looking at me like, why she's still here? I know, be like, oh. yeah. and then especially when you pass people, I know they like exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, okay, so, you know, I'm, I'm paying attention to what I'm doing. Is them telling me like you should have saw how the guy look? How the guy looked at you? He didn't expect you to be there. You know, a lot of guys like you know at the end. Yeah, of yeah she she holding my wheel. Yeah, holding my wheel. She holding my wheel. Why is she still here? I'm dying. But, you know, a lot of guys would come and just, you know, give congratulations or respect. You know, like, oh, I got a lot of respect for you, you know, to hang into the ride. That's their language. I mean, like, that's their love language. To me, that's not my love language. You know, I'm a female. I'm just here. My love language is my guys making sure that I'm good 
even though I'm here and, you know, looking back for me or making sure if something happened and they're aware of where I am, you know, mm-hmm. that's what gets to my heart. As far as these guys and his ego, it's like, oh my gosh, you still here? You know, rah, rah, rah. it's like, okay. <laughs> no, I'm not really here for that. But my goals, again, like, I don't just be able to keep up. I got you. So part of my podcast is have people on who've overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line. You talked about some of your obstacles when you were starting level up. What are some other significant obstacles that you had to overcome? Really being a woman and a mom, a lot of this part don't get talked about. And I do see myself circling back eventually as I begin to focus just on Erica and talking more about my personal journey. You know, right now I've been alongside so many others personal journey that I can talk about that because, you know, naturally my role is a giver and to help others along. But as I circle back and kind of think about what it is that I went through, you know, being a mom and being a woman and like having the responsibilities of the household, you know, that takes a lot of energy and finding that place and the time, surprisingly, right, to be able to ride the bike. And again, and recover from that because while you enjoy the bike and it's great for your mental and everything else, it still takes a lot out of you physically. So you have to balance that. You kind of mm-hmm. figure out. Like I said, when I go crazy and I'm like riding every day, you know, by the end of the week, I'm like no good to nobody, like <laughs> including myself, you know, and I'm like eating everything under the sun, you know, just on a totally different routine that I wouldn't be in if I was kind of just, you know, riding two days or three days a week, you know, for just fitness sake or peace of mind sake, you know, I don't mm-hmm. But that's something I don't think men really have to tussle with. Another thing, you know, as a woman athlete is tussling with how my clothes fit me. That's one reason why I began to design kits because I was spending so much money trying to figure out what brand fit me right and no brand would fit me right. It's like squeezing yeah. the heck out of my leg, like mm-hmm. making sausage, making yeah. it's not jamming up on my hips, right? Yeah. You know, if I find something that fit right, then it's ugly, you know? So I like resorted to wearing all black. Like if you look at any of my pictures from beginning riding, like all black, like if I could find something that's majority black, give it to me because everything else here is ugly. Like it's not my style. You know, it doesn't speak to me. It's crazy expensive and it's not even made for my body type. So, yeah, that's something else that I don't think, I think some of our men struggle with, like our bigger guys tussle with, but I do understand that some brands are beginning to take that in consideration. I did find that Colombian branded kids are a little bit more friendly to us because, you know, the women there also like curvy. Mm-hmm. They're big into cycling as well. So I try if I can. Right now, Level Up kits are made by a Colombian brand because if it don't fit me right, I don't want it. Like, I'm I blame not, you because it's expensive. Right. Kits are right. not cheap. expensive, right? And I know if it don't fit me right, it's not going to fit the women I represent right either. Whether they know the difference because if they knew, they don't really know, like, this is supposed to fit a certain way, you know, until they kind of get into it. But now you're like $1,000 in a hole because you don't bought two or three kids, right? Mm -hmm. So that's something I'm like super particular about. And that's why I even got into playing around and designing kits, like all the level up kits I design. And Chocolate Petals have a kit. Okay. Yeah, that's coming out. 
really soon. That's already designed. So for your that, kids, can people buy like level up kits or chocolate petal kits? Yes, right now they can. As a member, you could get a discount on the kits, but they're also not crazy expensive neither. That's something that I tried to keep in mind too. Like I just, I was like, I can't put these expensive kits out here. Like I can't like, you know, level up is a not-for-profit. So anything we sell or make, it goes right back to the not-for-profit. So while we do try to fundraise with the kids, you know, at the same time, consciously, I was like, I just can't put $250 kids out there, which is normal, right? <laughs> but well, sometimes but, more, depending on whose kid it is. Mm-hmm. Right. And our kids are really good quality. But even still, I was just like, if I'm really, truly committed to the mission of making sure that we bring some of those economic barriers down, then we will have to kind of just double our efforts in fundraising rather than making access to our kids like crazy expensive. Any last minute words of advice to anyone who's interested in cycling, racing? Sure. Find a good person to coach you up. Okay. Find a good person like anything else. Like if you feel good, you do good. Make sure it's somebody that's positive, right? Because one thing that I've seen in cycling is that you can end up with a group of people or with somebody that's kind of cycling for different reasons than you. They could mm-hmm. be cycling just to look good on a bike or because they can afford a $10,000 bike and $500 kids and not really in it, you know, for the camaraderie or for, right, to encourage other people. So make sure you find align yourself with people that have similar goals as you if you want to get on a bike or run or any sport. And I feel like that's the recipe to longevity in cycling is finding a group of people who share the same passion as you, the same goals as you, and will be those people to come along in the journey with you. Well, thank you very much. What can people find you if they want to know more about Level Up, know about your events? LevelUpCyclingMovement.com is Level Up's website and our events are there as well as this that's the site we sell our kits on as well as our memberships and you can find me on Instagram and underscore Erica L one word and Level Up is also on Instagram at Level Up underscore cycling movement so your membership is that just for people in the area or you can be a member if you live somewhere else what happens is a lot is because we're year-round cycling area, it's so many people that travel down and want to connect with us. So our membership is open nationwide. And so you get to come down and also have the discounts on the merchandise for when you come down and pedal with us or if you want to wear it in your area. Also, it gives you, it's the starting process of having access to us if you want to spin off your own club. We mentor other club leaders in their areas. So you notice we had a club with us who came to race with us. And so we were able to teach their racers about racing. So it really just lets us know that you're bought into the movement and that we can you like openly share and you understand the building that we're trying to do. So that's what a membership does uh, really for us. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks again. It was so nice talking to you. Thanks for having me. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, 
please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, OLB, Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, Omaha Love Brown. Brown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love. OUI Life, OUI Love. Thank you, and please tune in again.